1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down
3: by 12.
2: They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts.
4: Oregon's got an all-american field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge.
2: He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know?
4: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart said, I've been very lucky with gambling I've never won.
5: Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Hope you enjoyed the Kentucky Derby last Saturday and the Bears draft wrapping up last Saturday as well. In mid-May of 2021, the sports calendar turns to NHL and NBA playoffs. A full preview of the Stanley Cup playoffs in just a moment. Later this hour, we'll take a look at the reaction to the Bears' strong draft. Maybe number 7, Pace's best effort, why there's evidence to support this idea of a strong Bears draft. We'll hear from NFL analyst Matt Bowen on what the Bears accomplished. Hawthorne's Jim Miller will look back at Derby Day and figure out how to make money today and next Saturday in the Preakness. We have been hitting everything, every day on BetQL Daily, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon on the Odyssey app, the Odyssey Sports YouTube page if you want to watch us, the BetQL Daily podcast, and it also airs on 105.9 FM HD2, the Bet weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon, 105.9 FM HD2 every day. MLB, NBA cards, NHL, NFL, each and every day. I, I do have to admit something. As we start on this Saturday morning, I'm proud of myself. I will not be scrambling tomorrow. Gifts are taken care of. So hook up all the D-Gen moms out there, even if they're not a D-Gen. I did not get that gene from my mother. Uh, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. If you have to take the weekend off from betting, it's okay. We'll all survive. It's not MLB All-Star Week. There is more sports, more stuff to bet always there so it's fine you know what's going to be there soon the stanley cup playoffs well the calendar in my office says the stanley cup playoffs start tuesday i've been saying may 11th for so long i just got used to saying that and i know that's wrong so will the stanley cup playoffs start this upcoming week i think so Maybe it kind of depends on the division that you're in. Basically, I'm not sure. So let's see if we can get some clarity. We welcome into the show Alex Moretto. He covers sports betting over at thescore.com based up in Canada, not here at 670, the score, but thescore.com. And he joins me on the Alpamonte Nissan hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Clear this up for people, Alex. I know the central division. We'll be wrapping up the upcoming week. The East, I think. West, maybe. North, no. When are the playoffs starting?
6: I don't even think the league knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's, okay. a, that's
5: that's the best part of all this. Oh, um, Batman, yes. Yeah,
6: exactly, exactly. So, no, I think the American divisions are all going to wrap up next week, and we should see the playoffs starting next weekend. I think on Saturday, I think they're going to want to try and get as many eyes onto those games as possible. So, a weekend start makes sense with most seasons done, but I do think with the North Division dragging on and all these extra games with teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs anyways, uh, they're still going to be pushing that back. So I think the Canadian Division, we're going to see that start maybe maybe around the 18th or 19th, a few days after. And uh, and it's, it's funny that that's the one division that's actually pretty much settled right now, and it's the one with the most games left to play.
5: 53 games rescheduled due to COVID. The playoffs are going to happen. Okay, so we're going to have another cup handed out. Do you think the league is going to look at this as a success because they're able to complete another season?
6: I do think so, and I think that's why they're so dead set on playing these extra games, especially in the north with Calgary and Vancouver, who are basically eliminated from playoff contention. I think they're going to play those out because they just want to be able to say, hey, look, everyone got 56 games in. It happened. You know, we got the playoffs in, we got the cup in, this was all a success. And I think that's really what they care about right now. And that's why they're going to make teams play meaningless hockey in in the middle of May.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I know we should already be into the playoffs. We're still off schedule a little bit, but that's okay. So the way this is going to start, it feels like the NCAA tournament a little bit with the first two rounds, each division, one versus four, two versus three, best of seven series. But when we talk about the NCAA tournament, possible matchups down the road, a lot of times people say, oh, well, those two teams are in the same conference. We saw that multiple times this year. And I don't really want to see that. Oh, we saw that non-conference game too. I don't really want to see that matchup. And that's just a one-off situation. But with these first two rounds... Like, we've seen them all 37 times this season. (laughs) So for you as such a big hockey fan, and we're waiting for the Stanley Cup playoffs to get going, some people, it's their favorite time on the sports calendar. Are you a little less excited about the first two rounds because you've seen all of these matchups so many times?
6: Uh, I'm actually the opposite. I am so excited because it feels like we've, been watching meaningless hockey for the last month and I know that that's not necessarily fully the case but these playoff spots have just seemed settled for so long and I think that we desperately need to get into the playoffs and to bring some intensity to bring some passion to these games because teams have been so settled into their spots and playoff seeds have kind of seemingly been decided for a while that it's just like These games, they lack intensity, they lack passion, they lack energy. You don't know what kind of effort teams are going to put forth on any given night. So I think kind of getting through this and and letting teams just sort of hit the reset button, have a few days off and be like, okay, blanks late, playoffs are starting. I think we're going to see a much different intensity from these games. And I I can't wait. I finally cannot wait to get into some hockey that matters.
5: So when we look at these matchups in these first two rounds, These teams are going to know each other inside and out, obviously. Do you think it helps the underdog a little bit more, or is it going to be more of a story of talent winning out while also in, in the back of our mind, when we're placing our wagers, instead of just looking at the results with all the regular season matchups, like you mentioned, we need to take a deeper dive because we need to see who was actually on the ice in those games.
6: Exactly. And that's the big thing. I think with so many games being played in such a short period of time you really have to look at injury situations you know in these past head-to-head meetings who started in nets what was the rest situation like I know that's a big thing especially in divisions you're looking at like more so the east division and the north where they've had a lot of postponements I think you know you have a lot of situations where teams are playing five games in seven nights against teams who just are coming off a week off and it, it's completely unfair and to try and find like a balance there is, is, is difficult. So I think that, you know, you really have to take everything case by case. So I'm not sure who it will help more so, but I think that there's definitely the way that this schedule is kind of unfold. I think it's definitely going to open up some value in these kind of playoff series, because we're looking at teams who like are, you know, have, they've seen each other so much, but also, I mean, teams that are, are slumping into the playoffs, but they're slumping because they've played so much hockey compared to the other teams in their division. I look at a team like Montreal who has, you know, played more games than anyone since the start of April because they had those week and a half off and they're looking kind of rough coming into the playoffs. But hey, this is a really good team that, you know, you get a week off and you get healthy coming into the playoffs. They can make some noise.
5: Sure. This is Early Out to Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. My guest, Alex Moretto. He's on Twitter, at Moretto. Covers sports betting over at thescore.com. So let's go in order. The division that should wrap up first is the Central. They are slated to finish on Monday, so we expect their playoffs To begin first, maybe they're going to have to wait around the weekend, but we're waiting on the NHL to make an official announcement, uh, (laughs) believe it or not, with a Gary Bettman operation. The rules say, I believe, that you can start three days after the regular season wraps up, but it doesn't make a ton of sense to start in the middle of the week. But the Central. So, Alex, uh, you've come on throughout the season on BetQL Daily, and you have talked about the team atop the Central all season long. You've been saying, Joe, Take a look, if you can get a decent number, at the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes with, have uh, crossed that 80-point threshold on the season. They are the one for right now. Also, Tampa, Florida, and we expect Nashville to be involved as well. Another cool wrinkle with the uh, sports betting futures angle is uh, we'll see all sorts of odds on teams to win the Central. Kind of like, again, March Madness to win the region. It's kind of the same deal here which team do you like to come out of the central and how deep of a run are we talking?
6: Oh yeah. You know, you know, I'm all in on Carolina and I've been beating that drum all season and my tune has not changed. And I kind of love the fact that they've done everything they needed to do and they've been the best team in this division. And that's why they're winning the division. But now again, they're being discounted going into the playoffs because Hey, Tampa's getting Kucherov back. And you know what? That's huge. Kucherov coming back is big for the lightning, but The Hurricanes match up so well with this team. And I think that, again, with with the news of Kucherov playing, we're going to be getting value on Carolina going into the playoffs. And the big thing for me is Carolina winning this division. That was so huge for them because they have a much easier first-round matchup now against Nashville. And, you know, with all due respect to the Predators, they're not the best team. They don't score that much up front. Their, you know, defense corps is just average. They kind of squeaked into the playoffs. They kind of made it by default with the Stars having all those COVID issues and weather postponements early on. So I think getting to play Nashville in the first round and hopefully, you know, maybe beating them in five or six is going to allow them to have a bit of a rest and be fresher for that second-round showdown, probably against the Lightning, but the Lightning are going to be in tough against a Panthers team that is playing great hockey right now, and that's going to be an absolute war, and it's going to be a really fun series It feels like we haven't actually had a rivalry between the two, you know, in-state Florida teams there, but they're both playing great hockey right now. And I think that that series can very much, you know, go seven games, be a really difficult series. Florida's actually gotten the better at Tampa in this regular season. So I think that they're going to have a really tough first-round matchup while Carolina's kind of sitting there just waiting for whoever comes out of it. And I think that's really beneficial to them, especially a team that's kind of dealt with some injuries all year like Carolina, but they're getting healthy for playoffs. And now – They have the easier first round matchup, but I think it's just setting up nicely for them to reach that final four.
5: Okay, Alex, let's uh, move over to the East division, Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, and the New York Islanders. That is all set, and they are going to wrap play up this week as well. So the NHL kind of lucking into this because in the the cup semis, it's going to be the central against the East, correct? Uh, I believe they're doing reseeding actually.
6: Oh. So yeah, so the <laughs> oh, the, the, the the best seeded team to uh to to come through will face the lowest seeded team to come through and and I guess they, you know, so we don't really know who's going to be meeting in that in those semifinals yet.
5: Okay. So you might have a few teams that have made it to the cup semis just waiting around for the north, right?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And oh, the, man. the thing with the north too is that they don't even know if the North teams are going to be able to play in Canada or if they're going to have to come down to the States for those semifinal games. So everything is kind mm. of up in the air there, which is, it's going to be really strange. I think that whoever comes out of that North division is going to be at a significant disadvantage for a
5: handful of reasons. Okay. We'll get to the North in a few minutes. Do you have a strong opinion on the East with the Pens, Caps, Bruins, Isles?
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all in on Boston here. I just think that no team's coming into the playoffs as hot as they are. They've since the trade deadline since getting Taylor Hall, they're 11, two and one. they lead the league and expected uh, expected goal share by a, a decent margin and, and no other team in the east is even inside the top 10. I just think the hockey they're playing right now, they're playing their best hockey of the season, right in time for playoffs. They've kept Rask you know relatively fresh and net. They're just on another level right now. that top line is clicking. that second line with fall has been just as efficient and it's really taken some pressure off the bottom six, which has been able to settle in. I do have some concerns about Washington and Pittsburgh's goaltending, which kind of keeps me off them a little bit and and Pittsburgh's team defense as a whole in front of a shaky goaltending situation isn't great. So their depth at forward doesn't really appeal to me just because of those other issues and the Islanders are, are really just slumping. And this is a team that is kind of meant to play playoff hockey, but at the same time, I think they're trending the wrong way. And, you look at those deadline acquisitions they had. They're not really panning out like they expected. So I yeah, I think I think it's Boston for me here for sure.
5: Previewing the Stanley Cup playoffs with Alex Moretto from the score. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670, the score on a Saturday morning. And we think the third division that will be starting the playoffs is the West. And oh man, is the West loaded? You've got Vegas in first. Colorado and Minnesota fighting for the two seed and it's not official yet but it looks like the St. Louis Blues will have a playoff spot once again as the four meeting Vegas in that first round what do we think about this juggernaut
6: yeah this is this is a great division and I don't want to take anything away from what St. Louis and Minnesota have done because you know St. Louis did a really nice job to kind of bounce back in that second half to get into the playoffs and We've seen this before from the blues of course when they won the cup a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and Minnesota's had an incredible season but at the end of the day I don't think these teams are on the same level as Vegas and Colorado and I think ultimately what we're gonna see here is is Vegas and Colorado kind of getting through that first round a bit easier maybe than people will be anticipating and and setting up a second round showdown between those two teams, which is probably going to be the, the best series of the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about two of the best teams in the NHL meeting head to head in the second round. And there's very little to separate these two teams, two of the best rosters in the NHL. I think that Vegas's best chance here is to kind of lean into their goaltending situation because I mean, they're, you know, two of their wins over Colorado this year came on flurry shutouts in games that, Colorado had the better of play, but I think at the end of the day, Colorado's roster is just kind of the best roster in the league right now. And it's hard to look away from them. I think that even if, you know, Flurry is able to steal a couple of games, I think we're going to see Colorado kind of dominate in this setting and in this playoff setting. And in a best of seven, that kind of firepower they have will win out in the end. This is going to be great. And I, I kind of worry for, if you're looking at cup futures from this division, my one concern is that these teams are going to beat up on each other in the first two rounds, and whoever comes out into that final four might be just absolutely exhausted by the time it comes. I, I like Colorado to come out of this division. I just think they have the most firepower, and I think that, you know, Grubauer is still solid enough in net, and I just there's no holes on this roster. Their special teams are great. They're a great five-on-five team, but it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure.
5: So to recap, I wasted some money when I grabbed the blues this week at 40 to one. I saw them at twenty-one to one at some spots, twenty-four to one at others. And I saw the forty. I'm like, oh, I can't help it. I, I see the strong play from Bennington from time to time. I know the division is brutal. So I just took a long shot at 40. So I wasted my money, right?
6: Well, I mean, crazier things have happened, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, we saw it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Blues have done this before. Maybe they catch lightning in a bottle again. Uh, and they are a good team, but to me, they're just they're basically Vegas light. They're kind of built the same way. They're just not as good. So I think mm-hmm. that's a bad first round matchup. And Vegas is just obliterated them this year. It's, if, they, if Vegas does end up winning the division, it's not set in stone yet. So they could still end up playing Colorado. But if St. Louis ends up playing in Vegas in the first round, I just I don't see that ending well for them.
5: And then there's the North division. Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal the schedule says we might be into NBA play-in tournament time before the North finishes up their regular season. How do you handicap this division?
6: It's wild, but I do think that these COVID issues have kind of opened up a little value here. I, there's no doubt Toronto's the best team in this division. They kind of run away with it, and and rightfully so. But I think that this is a team that's struggled a lot in the playoffs in past years, and they're going to be taking on a Montreal team who everyone is down on right now. They were pretty popular pick early on in the season because they're strong underlying metrics they're a deep team but they've really struggled they had that week off i mean week off they they had a couple positive cases so they had to shut down team activities for a while and since then they've played four games a week and they haven't had back-to-back nights off since early march this is a team that's played so much hockey they're exhausted gallagher's missed the last month weber's been out for a while they've had injuries to Tatar. Carey price has been out they've had a, And they're finally starting to get healthy. All those guys should be back for playoffs. And they should, with all these games in the North kind of being played out later, it's going to give Montreal an opportunity to get a week off before playoffs, get healthy, get rested. I think this is a bit of a sleeping giant. And just because of how poorly they've played coming into the playoffs, I think it's going to open up a lot of value. And they're going to be taking on a Toronto team that really has struggled. And as you know, I think they're looking at what four or five straight first round exits. They haven't won a playoff series since before the 2004 lockout. That's a team that I'm going to be looking to get involved in, especially if the number's right.
5: That's what I was waiting on. Give me a team with some value here. So if you look around, I think you could find 25, 30 to one right now. Uh, You're saying that uh, that is certainly worth a shot here.
6: Yeah, I think that's definitely worth a flyer. I mean, you look at either of those North teams, um, Montreal, and I think Winnipeg is around a similar price. Winnipeg's another team that's kind of slumping into the playoffs, but Nikolai Ehlers was having a, you know, heart trophy worthy season if it wasn't for how incredible Conor McDavid's been. And uh, I think that, you know, he's been injured for a while. So him coming back for playoffs is big. They have the goaltending for it. They have this firepower up front. You look at those teams, I think we could really see some upsets in the North and especially Mm -hmm. the way things are shaking out with no fans. I mean, home ice advantage won't really mean much. I do struggle to put actual Cup futures on these teams. Just again, just because we're talked about that situation when they come out of this playoffs out of that North division, it's likely they're going to have to head down to the States to play in probably, you know, all seven games or whatever they're doing in that series in a opposing teams arena. And I think that those other teams are kind of going to be waiting around for them too. So the rest, could be an issue. And I think that that's the one deterring factor for me that kind of keeps me off these cup futures here.
5: Yeah. And Alex, we had uh, the great Eddie Olchek on BetQL Daily earlier this week. He's in agreement with you. He said, if you're looking for a long shot for some value a week ago before that long losing streak, he absolutely would have said Winnipeg Jets are the team. So there's uh something there. So maybe with this year, something we couldn't bet on in the past, uh, we'll have division odds once the playoffs get going so with the north take a shot with a team to come out of the division but you're not quite sure that they're going to make a cup run
6: exactly that's exactly what i would do there yeah i think that uh the leafs are going to be heavily favored in that market too just because of how much they've dominated this division this year but things have kind of worked out well they've been healthy they haven't had any scheduling issues so it's just kind of been a perfect storm for them but i don't necessarily trust their goaltending and i think there are some some sleeping giants below them that can I can really give them a run.
5: I love this. So you've given us a one, a two, a three, and a four for the moment. How many cup <laughs> futures do you have? And if you were to pick one of these four, which route would you go?
6: I, I mean, I'm, heavily invested in carolina from before the season and that's kind of i've kind of gone in on them at a couple points so that's my i'm gonna be you know donning my carolina hurricanes jersey or buying one maybe for the playoffs because that that's who Mm -hmm. i'm going for here but they're kind of i think they're down to like seven to one at most spots so the value's kind of gone if i'm looking to get in on a team right now i think my best bet would probably be boston uh because i think they're still around 13 14 15 to one at some places and They're they're the best team in hockey over the last month of the season. And I mean, they don't really have any weak spots in their game. This is a team that's made a number of cup runs in the past. They have the experience. They kind of have everything they need to make this run. And I think that uh, I think we're getting a really good price with them here.
5: I can't figure out if I love it or I hate it that they're going to be reseeding when there's four teams left. Like you have no idea what your path is going to be once you get outside your division.
6: Yeah, I hate it. It's, it's uncharted territories for the league. I mean, the NHL playoffs are usually so predictable. You know who's facing who in the next round. You know who you're typically going to go and play. So, I mean, you're looking at like, say Toronto comes out and Colorado comes out and they meet in the semifinals. Those are two teams that might not have played each other since 2019. I mean, that's how do you even handicap something like that? It's, it's going to be really strange once we get into those final four.
5: Alex, I know you're a big baseball better as well. Just a quick note on that. How's the season been going for you? And uh, we we were talking off air just before uh, we started this conversation on the air. And um, it it feels like, yes, okay, we're in the second month of the season, but there's a lot of futures value out there because I'm looking at half the divisions in baseball and I'm thinking, I have no idea which team is going to win it's a pleasant surprise because over the last couple of years, it's been a case of the haves versus the have-nots, and we go into the air knowing which teams are going to win all the divisions, and then it plays out in that manner.
6: Yeah, I mean, and so many of these teams that were projected to win the divisions have started off really slow, but it seems like the market isn't buying into those slow starts, and they're just right. assuming that the rebounds are going to happen. So I think maybe the teams, if you can kind of, isolate a few of those teams as ones who you don't think are going to bounce back there's a lot of value to be had like behind them like i look at a team like the mets who are still you know heavily favored to win the east and uh, i mean st louis in the in the central and even the yankees in the in the east like there's a lot of teams there that are still favored that haven't necessarily started well and if you don't think they're going to turn it around which in some of those cases i don't i mean there's a lot of value behind them like someone like the braves jumps out to me it's you know close to two to one to win the the nl east i mean i'm yes please i'll take that
5: <laughs> I, I guess the way to look at it is are there any divisions where you think you know who's going to win like you're really confident my answer is no <laughs> no i i really yeah i'm looking i mean
6: i do think i'm not confident in it but i really do think the astros will win the al west just okay. because I don't think the Athletics are, are necessarily for real and the Angels pitching is just a disaster. Ugh. So I do think the Astros will win the ALS, but I'm not confident about it. And other than that, I, yeah, good luck picking these divisions right now.
5: Alex Moretto, follow him on Twitter at AlexJ Moretto. Find his work, thescore.com. Thank you, Alex. Let's catch up again uh, once we finally get the Stanley Cup playoffs going, whenever that is. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Let's transition to some football. Bears draft grades positive across the board. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of Bears support in the betting markets. I'll explain on the other side, and we'll hear from ESPN's Matt Bowen on Justin Fields. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings, 8 to 9, on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app.
7: at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.
5: The score listener line is open 24-7, 365, and powered by BetQL, BetSmart, and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670, The Score. You can hit me up on Twitter. Follow me there, at Joe0670, at Joe0670. Found out the other day I've been blocked by Paulina Gretzky. I had no idea this was a thing. You believe that? what I do, Paulina? I have no idea. DJ must be threatened by me. I think that's it. All right, Bears draft grades. NFL.com, A. Heading into the draft, there was a dark energy around this team, an ominous feeling that the current regime would spend 2021 playing out the string before hitting the unemployment line. But then something magical happened. Justin Fields began to slide. How about pro football focus? A plus. Fields has special talent and back-to-back seasons with a 91-plus PFF grade. His ceiling is as high as any passer in this draft, and he's a real threat in the run game. Mel Kuyper, B plus. Only gave out a few A's. What a move by the Bears, trading up for Justin Fields. I love the kid. I know. You're like, Joe, you have to wait two to three years, at least two, probably three years to grade a draft. You're right, much of the time. But a big portion of these grades that we're seeing is process. And I don't know how you question the Bears' process in rounds one and two. It's a nice start. But let's see if they're able to develop them. I certainly believe that they bought themselves, and I'm talking Pace and Nagy, at least a couple of more years, whether you like that or not. But hey, Fields works. Come on. Nobody's going to care about any of that other stuff. The Kate can play. Okay, we'll find out down the road if the coaching is a problem. The juice on the Bears' win total has gone from under 7.5 wins, being the favorite, to... Over seven and a half wins as the favorite. Some opened as low as six and a half. That's not about the draft, though. That's more about Aaron Rodgers. All the Broncos speculation. Books are lining the Super Bowl odds with the Broncos and Packers in the middle while we wait for more information. They're not sure what to do, but they can't have Denver out at 60-1 to with a decent chance of Rodgers going to the Rocky Mountains. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. But just to protect themselves a little bit, that's how the books are handling this. Something else to wager on. Week one starting quarterback odds are out for a few teams, including the Bears. Andy Dalton, a heavy minus 200 favorite. The Rook Fields, plus 180. Nick Foles, remember him, Plus 1100. I'm not even sure that Foles is under consideration to be the week one starter if we're talking about a, a Glennon. Oh, I'm sorry. No, a Dalton injury. You know, no matter what they say about him wanting to sit, if Dalton were to go down to an injury, you can't. Come on now. Really? Foles? I don't see it. So plus 1100 makes sense. Matt Bowen. Best in the game at breaking down the film. Talk to him on BetQL Daily this week. So five quarterbacks go in the top 15. And I asked Bowen if we're putting Trevor Lawrence to the side for just a quick second. Obviously the most talented quarterback. Which of the five is the best fit? I think you're going to like Bowen's thoughts on Justin
4: Fields. Take a listen. And Joe, I have to say the player I like the most is probably Justin Fields of Chicago, just because of oh, yeah. <laughs> physical tools and traits. Um, he has the traits to take over football games. That's why you trade up and draft someone like a Justin Fields. He gives you a physical presence both inside and outside of the pocket, and he has the arm talent to attack all levels of the field. Plus, the second reaction, Bill, and that was the discussion, Listen to you talk about Trey Lance in San Francisco, consistently with that offense with a lot of predictions had Mac Jones going there because Mac Jones is a rhythm and timing thrower. Those with anticipation and location. Doesn't have the high end movement skills of a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. But I think Mac Jones went to the best landing spot in terms of how his traits fit a pro passing offense with the New England Patriots. But, uh, you know, getting back to San Francisco, Joe, uh, there's no question that Trey Lance is a fit for that offense. So you have to start with the play action passing. That's part of his college offense at North Dakota State. And those play-action mechanics, working under center, hitting that back foot, reading the field, getting the ball out on time, attacking open windows, that transitions to the NFL game. That's what he's going to do in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And on top of that, just like Justin Fields, he gives you an added element on second-reaction runs, second-reaction throws, but also as a schemed runner on quarterback design rush schemes. And I think that's part of the offense you'll see when he eventually gets in the field with Kyle Shanahan is that offense is going to have more capability in terms of threatening defenses and critical game situations because those quarterback design runs as well. Well, let's go
3: back to the, uh, the the middle of the draft here. And we did mention the Bears already. And there may not be a, um, a quarterback situation over the last few years that was more criticized than, than what the Bears had. And what we don't know is, how good is Matt Nagy? We, we know he's good at identifying talent because we, you know, we, we heard what his big board was in 2017 with the Mahomes and Watson and Trubisky draft. Do
5: we know though,
3: whether or not he's, he's going to be good at bringing along a quarterback like Justin Fields?
4: That's a great question. Uh, but I do think you'll see his offense expand with a quarterback like Justin Fields because of those playmaking traits we just talked about. Now I do I will say this on Matt Nagy. What he did at the end of last season, I thought was very good coaching because he knew the limitations of Mitchell Trubisky as a pocket throw. So what do you see? A lot of play action. Getting Mitch schemed up on vertical throws where you have max protection. Getting him to the edge of the pocket. Giving him quick reads and RPO and quick game throws. I thought that was a really good job of coaching and You saw the results. Now, granted, it was that three-game stretch at the end of the season, you weren't playing the Chiefs and the Packers and the Bills. We understand that but you're still seeing NFL competition. He put Mitch in a position where he can produce and play to his strengths at the position. So I do believe you will see his offense expand because of Justin Field, because of the traits, because he can process, because he can throw from the pocket. And that's the thing about Justin Fields, we need to focus on more, is yes, you can scheme as a runner like we talked about, but I see Justin Fields as a pocket thrower. I think that's where it starts with him. He can navigate traffic. He can move to reset his throwing window. He can get from one to two to three. And that's where the game starts. So, how do you scheme inside the pocket? And then, how do you scheme outside the pocket? I think it gives him more options.
5: And, Matt, I know uh, at ESPN, you do uh, some fantasy stuff throughout the season. And it, it's funny because we're in this era of, well, you know, running backs don't really matter. If you're going to draft them, you take them in the third or fourth round. And then we saw three go in the top 34, 35 picks, rather. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne in the first. Devontae Williams also goes. You had Trey Sermon go to San Francisco, and then a run of four guys in the fourth round. Which fits do you
4: love with the RBs? Trey Sermon in San Francisco, that's where I'll start. Yeah. Uh, Trey Sermon, it, he's a zone runner, right? And that's what he's going to run out of Kyle Shanahan, outside zone, where he can use his vision to make that one cut, press the ball to the second level. The thing about Trey Sermon, if you go to the tape against Northwestern and Clemson, you know, Big Ten conference title game, national semifinal against high-level competition, you look at the contact balance. And that's the thing in the NFL. I think there's critical factors. How fast can you get to the second level? Can you make people miss, either slipping tackles or bouncing off the tackles or running through contact? And can you impact the pass game? I think Trey Sermon can do all three of those things for you. And he's in the proper system that caters to his traits as a runner.
5: Matt Bowen with me, and you heard Chris Raji too on BetQL Daily. Raji coming up at the top of the hour on Inside the Clubhouse. By the way, sitting in for Haw. Subscribe to the podcast or listen live on the Odyssey app. We're also airing on one hundred five point nine FM. HG to the bet here in town. Watch on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Bunch of ways to consume BetQL daily, weekdays 9 a.m. to noon. A quick note on Trey Sermon, whom Bowen loves, and that fit with the Niners offense. I expect the offensive rookie of the year to be one of those five quarterbacks that went in the first half of the first round. However, running backs have won this award in recent seasons, and maybe the Niners are really good with Trey Lance on the bench. That's possible. Bowen likes the fit. I've heard other smart people that really like the fit. I do as well. Found Sermon on one site this week at 25 to 1 to be the rookie of the year, and another, double that, at 50 to 1. So please remember, shop around. It's one of your few advantages as a better. Big difference when you're talking about double your payout. Our weekly check in with Jim Miller of Hawthorne Racecourse is next. Derby lessons. And Preakness Plays, you've got Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And if you were with us last week, you know we did a whole bunch uh, getting you set for the Derby. So I want to revisit the Derby a little bit. If there's anything we can learn and take a quick peek at next week. Preakness Stakes. We welcome in our guy, Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. He joins me on the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. We check in with Jim each and every week from Hawthorne. They have the PointsBet Sportsbook over there. Talk about what's happening with PointsBet, some new stuff. Uh, Really cool for you guys, the better in just a moment, but let's hit on the derby, Jim. We did not win, and it's not an nope. excuse. I don't know nope, a lot of I don't know a lot of people that did win, but I will say this: uh, as we jump into the conversation about Medina Spirit, is um, okay. Initial reaction: I'm a moron. There was one Baffert <laughs> horse at twelve to one, and I did not bet the one Baffert horse. One of the reasons I did not bet the Baffert horse, I will blame my wife because my wife and my daughter before the race were saying, "Bet the pink horse, bet the pink horse." They say that every year. <laughs> Medina Spirit was the pink horse, so I can blame my wife. But once again, I say, you were right, wife, the day before Mother's Day.
3: And I'll tell you this, Joe, you're not a moron by any means. And we talked about it even last week, So I said there were 15 different horses that had a shot to win the Derby. And the horses that ran one, two, and three were at least all within the 15. They weren't the group that I liked. But the one thing that we saw on Kentucky Derby Day, which makes it very hard for the handicapper when you're betting ahead of time, is the track was pretty much a speed-favoring track all day long. And if you look at the Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit was the horse that popped out there on the lead. Mandaloon sat right behind Medina Spirit. Hot Rod Charlie sat right up there close. And Essential Quality got bumped around a little bit at the start, but then chased much of the way. So nobody really made up a ton of ground in the race. And when you can go out there and get that free and easy lead, it makes life a lot easier in a field of 19. And we talked about that with the big field. I liked rock your world who I thought would get on the lead. That horse came out of the gate just a step slow and then kind of tried for the same spot as essential quality and essential quality got the jump on that one. And then rock your world's day was over. Uh, Known agenda was a horse that a lot of people loved. And we talked about post number one in the Derby being very, very tough. This horse got bottled up almost the first quarter of a mile of the race. That's so hard to overcome, too. So it really came down to who got the best trip. Hey, Bob Bafferts won seven derbies for a reason. But uh this was a horse that uh, definitely figured in the end and ran a big, big race and paid a 12 to 1.
5: Well, I'll tell you, Jim, one thing that you were right on. I'm not going to say we. I'm going to say you, uh, that you were right on. And we talked about this for the last few weeks on this show leading up to the derby was the idea of taking the heavy favorite, essential quality, and tossing him from the top three. And it was just a matter of, uh, okay, where else are you going to go on the board? But that was the right strategy, tossing the favorite for a big payday.
3: Yeah, and and you really had to do it because you get a race like that and anything can happen. And Essential Quality had done nothing wrong leading up to the Kentucky Derby. But like we talked about, Joe, to get into the Derby, you have to earn points. So it's not just open to any horse. You have to earn your way in. And because of that, you have so many talented horses. And the biggest thing that you're kind of left to judge is how strong was one race that horses came out of compared to another race. And you're seeing Medina Spirit, that horse came out of the Santa Anita Derby. A lot of West Coast horses have run really well in the Kentucky Derby. You see Essential Quality who came out of the Bluegrass and that was a horse that ran okay, but actually it turned out that the Louisiana Derby was a really strong race. Mandaloon came out of the Louisiana Derby. Hot Rod Charlie came out of the Louisiana Derby. That's a race that ended up turning up to be a little bit stronger. But that's your biggest thing for comparing horses here. And when you get a heavy, heavy favorite in a field of 19, it's always best to try to look elsewhere and make some money.
5: Jim, one other note on the Derby before we look at the Preakness and some stuff going on at PointsBet. It was a double-take moment on the screen for me on Saturday when it pops up that they had 51,000 people in attendance at the Derby. 51,000 people were there to witness the run for the Roses. And then looking at some of the ratings, when you look at non-football sporting events since 2019, non-football, this year's Kentucky Derby, third highest ratings since 2019, number one and number two in the Final Four. We just saw that.
3: And I'll tell you what, I think 14.5 million were watching the Kentucky Derby. And here's the thing about it. Last year, Joe, and we talked about this, when everything was going on with the pandemic and all of professional sports shut down, the one thing that kept going and then returned quickly at a lot of other places was horse racing so when you talk about the sports betting aspect of it a lot of sports bettors actually jumped down to horse racing because they had nothing else to wager on and what we saw is that carryover of drawing those bettors into the industry and into the business and a lot of people have stuck with horse racing we've seen the numbers at hawthorne remain really strong throughout last summer last fall and even through this spring you see it for the kentucky derby It was the second most wagered on a kentucky derby in the races' history Only half the crowd was there capacity wise because that's what they were allowed, but they packed it in. But I'll tell you, Horse racing, some people say it's a dying industry, but I'll tell you, it looks like it's recovering pretty strongly right now.
5: All right. And last year's Derby ratings weren't that bad either. Also popped in the top 10. Same thing with baseball, a sport that is said to be a dying sport. Baseball, a bunch of those playoff games were up there. Uh, One thing we have learned, Jim, is uh, the schedule is very important. And we are back on schedule. Had the Derby last Saturday. We have the Preakness next saturday now my first reaction was okay medina spirit we're not going to see back-to-back wins concert tour malathot but now we're starting to hear about the horses that will not be running like caddo river essential quality mandaloon i don't know does medina spirit have a shot oh medina
3: spirits definitely got a shot i mean i'll tell you it's very hard though when you're coming off a big race at a mile and a quarter, and two weeks later being asked to win at a mile and three sixteenths. But that is what makes winning the Triple Crown just that tough. And here's the thing: everybody said Medina Sparrow was like Baffert's number three or number four horse going into the Derby, and that's the one that made it into the race. Concert Tour was the horse that was probably Baffert's number one, and didn't go in that race. They're skipping for the Preakness. Concert Tour could be very, very tough in the Preakness Stakes. It wouldn't even surprise me if that horse is right there along with favoritism alongside Medina Spirit. I think the other one you need to watch out for could be Unbridled honor. They said they're coming in. This is a horse that finished second for Todd Pletcher in the Lexington Stakes, and this is a horse that seems to be improving and might be hitting a stride right now too.
5: All right, perfect. We will have a full breakdown of the Preakness next Saturday right here on Early Odds. Uh, Jim Miller, my guest, from Hawthorne Course. Jim, what about the horses today?
3: Yeah, for the horses today, there's three horses to look at. They're all at Belmont Park. It's a big card at Belmont Park. A lot of stakes races here. So we'll start out with race number seven. Bet the six horse, Pacific Gale, to win in place. Two for two on the year, both in graded stakes. Then go to race nine. Bet the two, Nova Rags, to win in place. This was a horse that was actually fourth in the Florida Derby. A win in this race could put that horse in the Belmont. And then in race 10... Bet the 6th shamrocket to win in place. This one's trained by Todd Pletcher. He just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that's a horse that should
5: run really well, too. A new addition to points bet. This feature called partial cash out. Explain. Yeah,
3: and what it does, it allows you the ability to have the potential to cash out on a portion of your wager or potential winnings ahead of time. And we've seen Joe fluctuations, especially in NBA games throughout the course of the year, where a team could get up 15 or 20. And then all of a sudden, the other team comes back and even comes all the way back and wins. Now, what this does is give you the ability with your wagers to have that ability to kind of have a sliding scale to cash out as the game's going on. Now, your odds are going to change throughout the course of the game because it's basically another live wagering aspect that goes along with it. But it is. It's a nice feature. It's almost a little protection for you. But if you're watching a game and can see the flow of a game and you feel like, hey, something's going to move that's not in your direction, you can hit that cash out button and you can get a portion of it right there.
5: You can say, I'm going to check out with half my bet right now. Exactly. Uh, I'll I'll take the profit there. And then I still have something on the line the rest of the way
3: right exactly and you can do it at different portions throughout the course of the game but that's right it, it is that's that safety net for you yes your risk reward potential changes a little bit whereas if you're going to ride it all the way to the end you may have a chance to make a little bit more in the end but if you get that feeling that something's going to change and you want to cash out and make sure you stay ahead you can do so this way
5: any idea if you can do this with futures
3: You know what? I haven't seen if you can do it with futures or something that's relatively new here to points better. Wouldn't surprise me, though, because they are starting to kind of make that move in that direction. So I'll be curious to see kind of what happens as we move, especially when you're talking wind totals throughout the course of a season.
5: Oh, that would be nice. Then you don't have to worry about hedging. I can do the partial cash out instead.
3: Right. You can do the partial cash out. If Tony's managing poorly for the White <laughs> Sox, you can find a way to protect your wager on their win total. And uh, from what we've seen over the course of the last few weeks, that could be a safe bet.
5: Uh-huh. At Hawthorne Jim on Twitter, Hawthorne Racecourses Jim Miller. Jim, we'll talk next Saturday. Full preview of the Preakness, all right? All right, you got it. Thanks, Joe. If you missed any of the last hour, as always, use the Cool Rewind feature on the Odyssey app. It's DVR for radio people. Or subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast, a full Stanley Cup playoffs preview, Bears and NFL draft react in the betting markets, and some horses. Fresh sports betting angles and interviews five days a week on my weekday podcast, BetQL Daily. You search BetQL Daily on the podcast catcher of your choice or listen live 9 a.m. to noon on the Odyssey app and the Odyssey Sports YouTube page also on 105.9 FM HD2 The Bet. 105.9 FM HD2 The Bet here in Chicago weekdays 9 a.m. to noon. Talk Monday at BetQL Daily. Take care of all the moms out there, will you? Hi, betting moms. Hi. Happy Mother's Day. Inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Chris Ronji in for David Ha. Ronji. Sorry about that. Cash some tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?